Hello everyone and welcome to a special episode of Press Box Thoughts. Today's show, it will only be focused on one thing, a future interview with Miami Baseball's Brian Zapp. Today's main theme is journeys, physical, mental, and spiritual. I'm really excited to get into it today, so let's get right into the episode. All right, now I'd like to introduce Brian Zapp. Brian, if you would like to take a moment and talk about yourself, the floor is yours. Hi, my name is Brian Zapp. I'm a senior county major on the baseball team at Miami, and I'm originally from Waterloo, Ontario. You beautifully set me up for the first journey we're going to talk about, and it's your transition from Canada to to the United States. You just mentioned that you were from Waterloo, Ontario, and you grew up in Canada, and baseball wasn't originally the first sport you played. You played soccer, basketball, hockey before convincing your parents to let you play baseball. Why did you feel that pull towards the baseball diamond in kind of what is thought as a hockey-dominated environment like Canada, and what eventually let your parents let you play baseball? Yeah, so I started off soccer like most kids do. I did my one year at hockey and hated that, so that was out for me. <laughs> and ultimately, like my parents played in like a slow pitch, kind of fun little league locally, and me and my brother would go often to just watch them play, and we would play afterwards on the field, and I really liked it. It took a couple years of kind of pushing my mom, hey, mom, I want to I try this. And then house league turned into rap, turned into travel ball, and just kind of took off from there. What were those first couple of years like for you playing baseball? A lot of fun. I mean, I played one year house league and I played select that year and it was just, I, I loved it so much. I couldn't get enough of it. I was out in the road throwing pop flies to myself when <laughs> no one would play catch with me. So I really loved it. And over time, you continued to play and you continued to get better. And you were even invited in 2016 to the Blue, the Blue Jays Prospect Showcase. Coaches and scouts said they were really impressed with your work ethic and how you played the game. Was that the moment you knew you could continue playing at a higher level into university and college, or was there a different moment that you you know you think of where you say, okay, like I can do this? So I tried out for that team I think two years prior to making it, mm-hmm. um, just because it was a cool experience. You got to go play at Rogers Center. It's a cool day regardless if you made the team. And the, the year before I made it, I was seen by my future. Uh, travel ball team, the Great Lake Canadians, and that kind of brought me into a really good culture there where they're a new program, but they got guys going off to pro ball, they got guys going to big schools, and it was like, okay, here's a program that I can kind of develop in. Their coaches are top-notch, professional players, all sorts of like contacts and stuff like that, and that was kind of like the first, like, okay, maybe I could go to the States or something, because that was always the dream, and then my first year playing with them, then I played at the Blue Jays Showcase, and it was kind of like comparing myself to the top talent in, in Canada. So, How would you say that travel ball in Canada, if at all, differs from in the United States? Are you playing within your province for the most part, or are you traveling to different provinces? Obviously, in the States, you know, they travel, their kids travel to different towns and cities and states, but in Canada, is it formatted a little differently, or... Well, I think the biggest difference is not necessarily travel ball. We don't have high school baseball. Well, at least my region didn't have high school baseball. So travel ball is it. And even if there is high school baseball in some regions, it's not very good. Okay. You're not going to get recruited from there. So travel ball is it. We do year-round training. We have a great indoor facility. And so we'll go start around May. We have a loop with other top-notch Ontario teams that we played. And then we go to usually three tournaments in the States, usually Cincinnati, Indianapolis area. And then in the fall, we do, like, trips to colleges. And that was, like, honestly the coolest part because I was 16, 17 years old playing against Kent State. 
Really? Like at Kent State, but also playing against Kent State. <laughs> so it's like kind of surreal. Like maybe one day I'm going to be on the other side of that, you know? It was really cool. Yeah, like you don't, like at 16 and 17, you were playing against college kids. Yeah, I think my first trip with Great Lake Canadians, and I can't remember if I was about to turn 17 or not, but it was 16, 17, mm-hmm. and I played against Kent State. I think that same trip we did, I played against Cincinnati. We played against Northwestern. So these are some pretty legit D1 schools. We got killed. But it, <laughs> it was a pretty cool experience. Was there a team that you played against that you thought you wanted to go and play for that team later on, or was it just kind of you were just soaking in the moment and just playing? All, at first, especially, it was really just kind of soaking in the moment. It's like going from travel ball to like playing on these college fields against these legit college players. It's, yeah. It was more surreal, and I was just trying to compete as best as I could against these guys that were four or five years older than me. So. Yeah. <laughs> you just mentioned that you know you would come in and you played in the Cincinnati area, so Miami is kind of part of that Cincinnati area. So how did you get to Miami? Out of all the places you could have gone, and you've faced a lot of schools before you even got to college, Miami feels somewhat random almost, although you mentioned the Cincinnati area connection. But what was the process of getting from Canada to the United States and, you know, how does that look for different universities and what is the recruiting process of an international prospect? It's getting a lot easier now. <laughs> the more exposure Canadians are getting, we're seeing a lot more Canadians down in the States, but it's a lot of emails and then we go down to showcases. The Blue Jays showcase is a big one. For me personally, my former the former pitching coach at Great Lake Canadians mm-hmm. knew uh, Matt Davis, who was pitching coach here five years ago, right before uh, Pass got here, so... They knew each other, kind of sent some video. Uh, Matt came up to a showcase that uh, Great Lake held and kind of saw me in October. Went on a visit, committed in within a month. Wow. Uh, there was a whole process. Wow. Miami had been atop my list just on the business side of things. Like, I really wanted to pursue business. Mm-hmm. And I saw pictures of the campus, and <laughs> of course, it's amazing, right? So I yeah. came down actually on a tournament, too, that were nearby and just looked around. I didn't talk to any coaches, but just looked around. What is the journey, the physical journey to Miami look like for you? Originally, when you came here, did you fly in? Did you drive in? Do you drive back now? Do you fly back now? What has that looked like for you over the last couple of years? And, you know, it probably has looked a little different with the COVID year and and border stuff. And and we'll kind of touch on this a little again later. But, you know, how did that look for you in these past couple of years? I've driven every time. It's, It's not a bad drive. It's Seven to eight hours, depending okay. on the border. Somehow that's closer than a lot of people than on our me. team. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people on our team end up having to drive way further. But yeah. uh, <laughs> it's a really easy drive. COVID kind of made that a little more difficult. I need to get a test here. Mm. So I think sophomore year, I was waiting a couple of days for my test results at yeah. the PCR. So I was waiting a couple of days before I could actually go home. So it's just a little more complicated. But the border process, because I have my documents, because I'm a citizen, going back is easy. Yeah. And then it's long if I show them that I'm a student athlete and all that, it's pretty easy getting through too. Did you ever pop positive on a PCR test going back or coming in? Nope. I've never, I've never <laughs> been positive. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, I've been positive, but never like from like going to yeah. right, right when I was going to travel, I was always negative. So. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. And are you, are you driving by yourself? Yeah. Oh. Uh, my parents, so freshman year, my parents drove me down, uh-huh. went back with a t- couple teammates and then my parents picked me up right outside Detroit. Okay. And then they drove me back. So, um, but then COVID happened. My parents couldn't legally take me down. Yeah. Because it was not necessary travel. Yeah. So I only I could go. So then I kind of got my dad's car. <laughs> so that's kind of how it's been ever since. 
All right, so now let's transition into your journey as a baseball player. This is kind of the second journey I want to focus on. So growing up and playing baseball, what position did you gravitate towards? Obviously now you're kind of a utility infielder. You've spent the majority of your time at third base. Was that always what you wanted to play or you know, did you have another position? Growing up, I was shortstop. I think a lot of infielders kind of started <laughs> that way. As I got to Great Lake Canadians, I moved third base, second base, and finished up at shortstop actually my senior year. But I still play like there was games that I came in at first base or in mm -hmm. the outfield. So I've always had that utility role. Mm -hmm. Even here, especially this season, I've, I'm just moving around everywhere, left field, first base. I played third base for a fair bit of my career, second base last year. So it's just all over. And I like that. I mean, I'll play wherever. Yeah, I mean, you've started the majority of the games that you've played in. If you just look at your page, it says you've played, you know, X amount of games and almost like 90 or 80 percent of those have been started. So does it benefit you more to be a utility player, not be locked into one position? And I mean, obviously you said you enjoy that. But, you know, what is that like for you going out there every day knowing that you're playing a different position? Yeah, I think it's I think it makes it easier to put my name in the lineup. Like <laughs> if if any move things around, I can go play second base I can go play left field I know last season they threw me out in left field at Illinois I was the guy whenever we did a four-man outfield I'd go out there so I think it makes defensive positioning easier mm -hmm. and just having like I may not have a ton of experience at some of those spots but at least I've played them before and relied upon. As a freshman, you appeared in 14 games. You started 11 of those, and that was before the season got canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So what was that season like for you, especially as I was kind of, as COVID was starting to ramp up? It was the last time until like a year ago that your family could come in to the country and watch you play for about two years. So what was that like for you, not having your family there to watch you on specific games or just like knowing that you're going to have to go back soon? Family side of things, it was it was kind of tough, um, especially home games when there's you look up, everyone's got their family there. Guys were going out to dinner with their families afterwards, and it was just kind of like I know my parents would be there if they could, they just couldn't. So it's kind of like a little bit lonely at times, but um, I was really glad that they could come down last year a couple of times and made things a lot better, you know. And freshman year wise, it was. Long time ago, I never got to Mac play. It was it was it was really fun. It was kind of like dipping my toe in to the college baseball for fourteen games. Played Texas A and M. It was my first start, and it was like oh. they got a huge crowd, huge uh, student section. So it was a pretty incredible experience. Yeah, what's it like playing in some of those? Well, first some of the non Mac schools. Obviously, that you know you mentioned that you dipped your toe in and you got the exposure against like a Texas A&M, which is a big baseball school. And then, you know, what's it like playing the Mac schools where they're not necessarily known for their baseball, but they still have a big presence on their campus. Going down to like some of those big schools like Texas A&M, the facilities were insane. Fans, like student section was there. They were packed every night chirping. And that was my first experience. So it was kind of overwhelming maybe. Like, like I wasn't used to that. Mm -hmm. Um like, first time, I didn't start the first game, but just kind of seeing that, I was like, wow. I remember Georgia Southern also had a good crowd. It wasn't to the extent of A&M, but it was still a good crowd. And then coming into Mac schools, good competition, but I think it's, like, on the fan side of things, you're not going to see those yeah. massive crowds where whole student sections are chirping you and stuff like that. Do you remember any of the chirps that, you know, that stick with you the most? Uh, not specifically at me. I mean, I think they usually try to do something with my last name or yeah. or Canada. I don't know, honestly, they're not they're not that good, so none really stuck out. Um, I don't even know if I, I know there were some funny ones for some teammates. I can't really think of any, but yeah. there there was 
some clever ones. Yeah. So kind of going back to uh, your family, what was that moment like when your family was able to cross the border again and watch you play? And, you know, how special was that for you and your family? Uh, they got to actually come before the season, which was really cool. They got to come to the banquet. Oh. So I actually got to uh, sit down, have dinner, spend some time with them rather than playing baseball yeah. all weekend. So that was really special for me. Just I was looking forward to it for yeah. weeks. I knew they were coming down. And even it was... Is relatively close. I'd only been here for a month after Christmas break, mm-hmm. but I was looking forward to that since yeah. they hadn't been down here at all. And then just looking up and seeing them in the crowd, a huge difference. Yeah. Every season, your numbers have increased on the field. You Last year, you had a, an astounding 93% fielding, fielding percentage, but you were also known for your speed on the base pass. You stole a game in, or a base in six consecutive games and had four multi-steal games. Would you say that those are two main assets of your game, or how would you describe the way you play? Defensively, it's a lot of utility roles. I, I really like my ability to be able to play different positions mm-hmm. and just kind of be able to throw, throw me out wherever and I'll compete and play as hard as I can and you'll get everything I got there. And I don't think uh, speed's necessarily uh, an asset for me. I can't say I'm the fastest dude, but I would say um, last year it really clicked for me, understanding when to take advantage of situations, how to take advantage of pitchers, and that showed in the stolen base category, or taking extra uh, bases, just even though I'm not the fastest guy, I was able to kind of pick my spots, and really, it was the first time it really clicked for me that, oh, I can take advantage of that even though I'm not that fast yeah I mean sometimes the numbers the numbers don't tell the full story yeah I I had a first baseman on another team say I got you down as like a really fast guy (laughs) I don't know about that (laughs) and then as for this season it will likely be your last or one of your last I don't know what your what the COVID thing did for you and you know your future but obviously you still have the season left to play but have you thought at all about your future in baseball or you know your future outside of baseball is there something that comes next for you I think uh, outside of baseball, I just want to pursue a career in the accounting world. Uh, right now, I'm looking for an audit internship for next summer, kind of get my first kind of experience yeah. out there. And then next year, I'll be doing the master's program for accountancy. Huh. So, Very cool. Uh, or hopefully, I haven't been accepted yet. Oh, so not I think we hear, hear back in December. So hopefully, I'll be doing that. Good luck doing with that. Internship. Yeah, thank you. Do you know if you want to be in the States or in Canada or have you just, are you just looking anywhere really? I'm open to both right now. Internship. I think I'm looking Cincinnati Mm -hmm. area just for like ease with housing and all that. And I think my more opportunities will come at least early on in my career in the States just because of connections and all that. And then if I end up back in Canada, I'm cool with that, but I'm also cool with being here, traveling really anywhere really. So. What are you looking forward to in your senior season? Is there something you want to accomplish like that's you know been on your checklist for, for a while that you think that this is the season you can get it done? I think I just want to have fun, honestly. It comes down to that. Like, I'm not going to remember performance-based. I don't mm-hmm. really, like, Ten years from now, I'm not going to look back on how I played. Yeah. It's not going to matter to me. It's going to be relationships. It's going to be how I enjoyed it. So I just want to make the most of my senior year, have fun with, fun with the guys on the team, try to go win as many games as possible, and Maybe we end up on top. That would be really cool. I haven't done that yet. So, Last journey I want to focus on is your journey with your sexuality. Let's go back to your journey to Canada for this last part. Uh, in a video produced by the Miami baseball team and the Toronto Blue Jays, the focus was on you in December of 2021. It was right after finals had ended and you were making your way back up to Canada for the break. You were driving back and you pulled over to make an Instagram post opening up about being bisexual. What was that moment like for you? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to 
post on the Instagram? Was it planned? Was it a spur of the moment decision? And, and how did you feel after making that post? It was definitely planned. I probably had it. I think I decided around Thanksgiving break that I was going to make a post about it just because I was tired of telling people, honestly. I just kind of want to just rip the bandaid off, <laughs> have it be done with, and not really have to explain myself. So Thanksgiving break kind of started writing in my notes and I think that's like a two-week period where I just kind of edited, added little things, and it was like a kind of rehearsed piece that I wrote. Mm-hmm. I knew right after finals, like I didn't want to do it and then have to show up to practice the next day because I was pretty confident things were going to go well, but there's always the fear in the back of your mind. So I was like, all right, last exam, I'm going to go home, mm-hmm. I'm going to post it, and then needed to work up a little courage. I was going <laughs> to post it right as I left, but I drove probably about 20 minutes some random parking lot. I think it might have been like eaten or something like that. Pulled over, posted, and just put the phone down and drove. So, I mean, I didn't really quite hit like relief points until like, I got home. Like, it was like really relieving when I got home. I, I could see the texts rolling through. Like, I would get notifications on my Bluetooth. I got a call from Coach Hayden, but I didn't really look into the responses that much until I got home. And that was like a relief point. I could finally take a breath. So, how did it feel for you? to you know hit post and just be able to be open about it yeah i mean it's something you're hiding for almost 10 years of your life and everything for me was based off that everyone in my actions how i talked how i acted around everyone was based off that so it's like first of all like i didn't really know who i was partly because of that i was living a lie relief of i can finally be who i want to be um i'm not a super emotional person Mm -hmm. so for me it was more like a deep breath, like a weight off my shoulders. Um, my dad is the same way. He's not super emotional either. Like <laughs> We don't really talk about that stuff. But when I got home, my mom was working. She was on call that night. My dad got home and told me he was really proud of me. And that was like about as emotional as we're going to get. <laughs> but it, it really meant a lot. So, yeah, um, yeah it's it yeah, really cool. Absolutely. You talked a little bit about what the what the response was on social media. Um, but what was the reaction when you told your family this news? I know you told them a little bit earlier than you let out to then when you came out to social media. And, you know, not only your immediate family, but your family here at Miami. Obviously, you have a bunch of teammates and coaches and things like that. So was there a lot of nerves going on in your head about how everyone would respond and, and how they would treat you and if anything would change at all? Nerves for everyone, it gets easier, I think, with every individual person I told I knew my, obviously, you know your parents really well, you know their views, yeah. yet I couldn't tell my mom in person. I didn't tell my dad in person. I, I, I texted my dad, wrote a note to my mom. I finally told uh, a teammate of mine in person, who's my uh, roommate, last year. And I just started slowly telling like my brother, my cousin, people that are mean a lot to me in my life. Yeah. And then building up that confidence with each one, it just got a lot easier. Got to a point where I had like a small circle and it's like, these are the people that really care about me and that really matter to me. They all support me, so I was just going to tell everyone else with just one post. I don't need to keep individually telling people. Yeah. There tends to be sort of this macho culture surrounding sports in Canada and even a macho culture in the Canadian culture itself. So what was it like you know, growing up in that environment and discovering yourself, and then did it have an effect on when you decided to come out? I think there's just a macho culture in sports in general, yeah. whether it's Canada, other states, or anywhere, mm-hmm. men's sports has this macho yeah. feel, especially around the locker room and stuff like that, and just how they interact. That definitely played a role. Growing up, you hear all these things heard, so 
people are just talking about that, you know, like they they say homophobic things, they act in certain ways, and it's mm-hmm. like start you like you question if you're welcome there if they would really know who you are. That definitely played a role. Like I don't I think if I play if I didn't play sports, I probably would have been out by the end of high school. Mm-hmm. So I think it made it huge difference in my decisions because to me if someone found out earlier that's the end of my recruiting process so it's like that was going how i was going to go to school right yeah so it's just i couldn't tell anyone in those early years at miami when you had this you know as you described earlier this weight on your shoulders how was that for you mentally having to go to practice and games and school and every day and you know you kind of put it in the way of living a lie like how was that mentally and deal with that if at all, if you if you dealt with it, if you know, how did that build over the course of your two and a half, three years at Miami? I dealt with it just by isolating myself, so I didn't really deal with it at all. It's probably is not the best uh, <laughs> best way to go about it. Looking back on it, um, but yeah, as I got older, uh, I got to understand myself more, and even dipped a toe in by the end, like uh, sophomore year, junior year, starting to dip my toe in in. Just experience, like looking around and seeing what's out there, even though I had to like cover up who I was. So uh, yeah, it's just the more I held that in, the bigger the cloud got, and I would go. I remember I'd just go to my room and just isolate. Like I would, mm-hmm. I would talk to people. So it's just kind of really tough, and I wouldn't tell anyone about it because I couldn't. You know, in yeah. my in my mind, I couldn't. Yeah. Did you feel that it affected your play on the field at all? Probably. <laughs> I mean, carrying around that way, not like I just had more fun more freedom to be who I was afterwards whether it affected my play or not it was just not as enjoyable for me to be there I really hated it because I knew I was going to there's there's going to be like it was never a terrible environment Mm -hmm. but there's there's they didn't know they were going to say things and it just that would just kind of beat you up a little bit how is it for you being college baseball's first actively open athlete is that a title that you enjoy having or does it denormalize who you are as as a player i'm proud of it because for me it's paving a way for other people the coolest part for me is the other people that have reached out to me Mm -hmm. i've had college baseball players current college baseball players reach out to me through dms and first of all the courage for them to do that i would have never done that if i was in their place so i think it's just kind of opening things up a little bit yeah. and just having being able to use my story to help others and make sports a better better place for others going forward so yeah. that someone in my position doesn't have to deal with it as much or can come out earlier finally what advice would you give to someone who is thinking about coming out you know whether it's to their friends their family or even their teammates as you know you mentioned that there are some uh, some active college baseball players that have talked to you about it. So what advice, you know, have you given them or what advice would you give to to people who are struggling with this and especially in a sports setting? Yeah, I think first you have to be fully comfortable with yourself. You got to get to a point where just finally accept yourself. Like for me, I denied denied it. And at at some point you got to accept yourself and be comfortable with it before you even consider coming out, I think. And then I really liked, and I tell people this, I think you need to build up a circle first. Mm-hmm. That'll build your confidence. And ultimately, those are the people that matter to you. Like, If other people reject you basis, on the basis of your sexual orientation, then it doesn't really matter because you have that core group that you can come back to, you can lean on during those times. Yeah. Well, Brian, I'd like to 
thank you for your bravery and commend you for your courage. It's an incredibly difficult thing for anyone to do, and especially as an athlete, as we talked about today. And there's one more thing that I'd like to do with you. It's a bit more fun, a bit more lighthearted, rapid-fire questions about yourself, the team, just whatever comes to your mind first. Ready? Yep. Uh, what is your favorite position to play currently? Infield of some sort. <laughs> what is your signature celebration? Pretty tame guy. I, I, I like to keep it pretty cool. Not a big celebrator. Game-saving catch or walk-off home run? Walk-off home run. Who was your favorite athlete to watch growing up? I was a big Robinson Cano guy before he got the, the suspension. <laughs> uh, Mike Trout's good to watch. Favorite sports movie of all time? Old Durham. Favorite TV show? I don't watch a lot of TV. Big Bang Theory? Okay. Back in the day? Uh, which teammate has the best taste in music? Me. Who is a teammate you would not like to take on a long road trip? A long road trip? I don't know. I don't <laughs> know if there's anyone that really sticks out there. <laughs> All right, who's your funniest teammate? Uh, we got a few of them. Uh, Dom, Krauss, a lot of guys that can make you laugh in that, in that dugout. Who's your favorite team to play against? Just uh, guys that I know on the other team, like uh, Eastern, I've had a couple buddies, Ball State. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really look into rivals very much. Mm -hmm. don't really care about that, but yeah. getting to see a familiar face, good, good buddy from home, yeah. What's the best stadium you've played in? Texas A&M. <laughs> Do you remember the hardest pitcher you've ever faced? Uh, I faced Bachman a lot. <laughs> um, and uh, my first college start was against uh, Christian Roa, who's a third rounder. Okay. Those two are good. Other than your parents, who's had the biggest influence in your life? Hayden's been a big influence. Has been there for me a fair bit, and also just uh, I mean, Stephen Krause is my best friend. So yeah. Last one. What's one thing that many people may not know about you? Uh, my taste in music's pretty different than most <laughs> people our age. Uh, I'm very old school, classic rock, blues. So not big into the rap, the hip hop here. So. So what's your go-to song going home? I don't have a song. It kind of depends on the, mood, uh, on the mood, but um, Led Zeppelin, the okay. band, Eagles, that kind of vibe, 60s, 70s. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, so, yeah, that is all the time we have for today. Once again, Brian, I'd like to thank you for coming on the podcast, You know your bravery and everything that you've done. So thank you again for coming on. Good luck this season. Can't wait to see how Miami does. Thank you for having me. This episode of Pressbox Thoughts was produced and edited by Ted Brennan and Sarah Grace Hayes with supervising production by our editor-in-chief, Cassette Gunter. Our music is by Sam Terabellini. That's all for Pressbox Thoughts. Tune into our next episode out on the Miami Student SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcasts in two weeks.